0: Now, uh, 43, verse 16, Genesis 43, 16 to 34, they now encounter Joseph on their return. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house, steward, bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now when, now the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, It is because of the money that, we, that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in, that he may seek an occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, O my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food. And it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which was in their hand, and bowed to the ground before him. Then he asked them about their welfare, and said, Is your old father well, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed down in homage. As he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. And Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred over his brother, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he controlled himself and said, Serve the meal. So they served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. And he took portions to them from his own table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted, And drank freely with him. Verse 16. The first thing mentioned is that Joseph saw Benjamin. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. He knew from that, that it was headed in the positive direction, that it was not... An opportunity to punish them, but an opportunity to begin the process of revealing his true identity to them because he saw Benjamin. That was the main thing he wanted them to do if they ever saw his face again. He sees him and therefore a time to feast. And then 17. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the man to Joseph's house. The house steward is the Mediator, uh, the mediator right now until Joseph is able to dialogue. So the house steward is in charge and he does what he's supposed to do. But the men, Joseph's brothers, they don't know for what reason they are to go to Joseph's house. Are they to go to Joseph's house because they have done wrong and since often prisons, jails, were very near the, the home or in the home of a ruler, that could be their outcome. They didn't know for what reason. Joseph did not tell them. He let them be afraid. He let them be afraid. And in 18, it is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in that he may seek an occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. They conclude that it has to do with the money that was not paid the first time. Because they conclude that, and they're not concluding this based on just merely their circumstance, they are saying, just that they are implying what they said earlier in 42.28, 42.28, what is this that God has done to us? They know that this discipline or punishment is coming from God. Also in 44.16, 44.16, so Judah said, what can we say to my Lord? What can we speak and how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. They know that it is the hand of God at work in their life. And that's why they're saying this is an occasion of God using the ruler, Joseph, to punish them for their disobedience. In the the one case, immediate case, the money. But in the previous case, because of what they did to their own brother, Joseph. Chapter 44 is a sequel to 43 in that at the table, when they eat, the dialogue that takes place, that transpires is in chapter 44, which we'll study next time. 44 and at the beginning of 45 is this dialogue. And at the beginning of 45, that's when Joseph identifies who he really is. That's when he does so. And then in chapter 46, Jacob and clan go to Egypt, migrate to Egypt as true migrants, not in a fake sense, in a true sense. Then in verse 19, verse 19, 43, 19, So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food. And it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks. And behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. They are telling the truth. Evidence that they are honest men, not spies, not deceitful men, not murderous men like they used to be. Um, They are now showing forth their honesty because they want to avert the possibility that Joseph is going to confront them for this. So up front, they speak up before Joseph speaks to say anything on this matter. Verse 23, The steward says, the house steward, and he said, Be at ease, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The house steward also knows. He knows something of the past, and he knows that Joseph intends to do good to them. He knows that. That's why he brings out Simeon to them. They fulfilled their promise to bring Benjamin. So now Simeon is brought out. Also, though, he assures them, be at ease, do not be afraid. Nothing bad is going to happen. They don't actually believe him yet because of their astonishment of how well they're being treated. Right in 26 to 34, they are well treated and they're still very amazed at that. So he assures them that they shouldn't be afraid. He also says, your God and the God of your father. Yeah. How does he know? Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks? He attributes the money to their God and Jacob, who is the God, uh, the God of your father to Jacob which means Joseph had taught this likely this is an Egyptian house steward no that he Joseph taught the faith to him whether or not he himself believed it he was at least agreeable to it and since he was a servant or official in the house of Joseph he had to accommodate Joseph right so Joseph was a teacher Was a teacher of what he believed he would teach others under his charge. Even actually, otherwise, it's likely that he taught them. We do read this fact in Psalm 105, the 100, Psalm 105 and verse 22. This is speaking of Joseph, 105, 22. This is what. Joseph was able to do? Well, let's begin at 21. 21 and 22. He made him lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions to imprison his princes at will that he might teach his elders wisdom. Joseph taught the elders of Egypt wisdom. That wisdom had to include knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God Almighty, the true Lord, and the true way of salvation. The true way. Sometimes people say, well, yes, I'm a manager. Yes, I'm the boss of this business, this company, this office, but I can't exploit my position and share the gospel with those people who are under (laughs) me. I can't do that. Otherwise, then you know, they, it won't be real. It won't be sincere. Some people have said that. That's their excuse for not sharing the gospel. But we can't do that. Joseph did so here right. as one example. Okay, 24. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. The water and washing the feet and feeding the donkeys, these are all positive signs, good signs. These are ways to accommodate visitors, travelers, washing the feet. Why? Because of dusty, dirty roads and wearing sandals. That would be one way to refresh oneself upon entering a house and especially upon entering a house to eat, to do so. And also to feed the animals, the donkeys that they used to travel. And they also prepared their present in their sacks, their loads prepared to present to Joseph. So they're not keeping the present. They could have kept the present, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They presented it to Joseph and the meal. Now we read of the meal 26 to 34. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house um, to him the present which was in their hand and bowed to the ground before him. The present is presented, the gift, and they show proper respect. This is a way to show respect to the ruler. This is not worshiping the ruler. They knew not to do that. There are other occasions in Scripture when worship of the ruler or worship of the person is the intention, and the one being worshiped says, Don't do that, I'm just a man like you. So this is not what Joseph does, he, does, he, he receives it. Uh, an occasion for a man saying, Don't do that is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter ten, twenty five to 26. When Simon Peter visited Cornelius, a Roman, right. though he was an upstanding man in society and religion, he was not a believer at this point. And 1025, it says, And when it came about that Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up. I too am just a man. He knew it was wrong to do so. Peter did not receive it. But in this case, in chapter 43, Joseph does receive it. He doesn't confront them, rebuke them, teach them, because it was just respect. It wasn't worship. (laughs) Then, 27, 43, 27. Then he asked them about their welfare and said, Is your old father well, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed down in homage. Again, doing the same as before. Uh, Joseph sees all of his brothers, but he doesn't see his father, father, his beloved father. That's why he's asking directly and first about the father. Old father, how is he doing? Because when he reveals himself, the first thing he wants is for the father to come visit him and for the father to take refuge in the land of Egypt. 29. As he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. This was not the first time he saw Benjamin, but at this occasion, when it's lunchtime and they are about to eat, he sees Benjamin, his mother's son, that is, Rachel's son. Joseph and Benjamin were the two sons of Rachel. This is explained in Genesis chapter 30, 30. Verses 22 to 24 for Joseph. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Joseph means he added. He added, meaning God added another son. Or in this case, a wish May the Lord give me another son. And that other son was born in chapter 35. 35, and notice the, the expression, 35, 16, 16, to 19. 35, 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, And she suffered severe labor. And it came about when she was in severe labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. There's that phrase. May the Lord give me another son. So she says, For now you have another son. Well, who is it? 18. And it came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. That's why Joseph really wanted to see Benjamin, because of this. And when he asks the question, is this your youngest son of whom you spoke to me? He's he's expressing not uncertainty, not that he doesn't know, But he's being explicit with it and wishing God's blessing on him. And he calls him my son. My son, why? A couple of reasons. He's probably seven or more years older than Benjamin. That's one. But also, he's a ruler and a, a very dignified man. And that would be a way to address somebody younger than you if you're trying to be endearing to him. But he couldn't hold it verse 30 and Joseph hurried out for he was deeply stirred over his brother and he brought and he sought a place to weep and he entered his chamber and wept there. Joseph actually in the book of Genesis, Joseph is described as a weeping man. he weeps on several occasions he was a very tender man according to this aspect of his character. He couldn't control himself. He wasn't ready to divulge who he was. So he rushes out. He cries and weeps in another room, com- gathers his composure in the next verse, 31. Then he washes his face and came out and he controlled himself and said, serve the meal. So he composes himself after some time and they eat. But... The point that Joseph was um, a man who was sensitive, tender, and wept. Let's see these examples of it. 42, 24. 42, verse 24. And he turned away from them and wept. He turned away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. 45, verse 2. Actually, let's read 1 and 2. 45, 1 and 2. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. 45:14, 45, 45:14 14. 45, 14, and 15. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. 46:29 46:29. We'll read 28 and 29. 46:28. Now he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen and they came into the land of Goshen and Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Chapter 50. Chapter 50 and verse 1. Jacob is about to die. 50 verse 1. Well, he he actually does die. in In the last verse of the previous chapter. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And then 40, or 50, 50, verse 10, 10 and 11. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation, and he observed seven days mourning for his father. Now, when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore, it was named abel Mitzrayim, which is beyond the Jordan. And then in 17, that was for his father upon his father's death. And then 50 verse 17, when his brothers make sure that Joseph does not have any grudge against them, they approach him. And this is what he does. 50 verse 17, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. These are all genuine and real occasions to weep. Joseph expresses that throughout this passage. This is highlighted not only to show the character of Joseph in this way, but that he did have a genuine concern. Whatever he's doing here, he's not doing it because he's trying to be cruel and mean to his brothers or father. He's trying to discern their character based on this. Now, back to 43 and now 32. 43, 32. So they served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. Why? because the egyptians could not eat bread with the hebrews for that is loathsome to the egyptians the egyptians the egyptians find it loathsome to eat with the hebrew people actually also in exodus 8:26 if we're to have some insight on why it is loathsome, Exodus 8.26 gives us the answer. Though some dispute this because they say this is hundreds of years later, but it's likely that these beliefs and customs were very ancient, even if there is a span of a couple of hundred years between Joseph and Moses. Exodus 8.26 But Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not then stone us? They worship bulls. They worship cows. They worship goats and and sheep. They worship these kinds of animals, right? Right? the Egyptians do, if they see the Hebrews killing them and eating, feasting, it would be loathsome to them, it would be an abomination to them. That's probably the reason why they didn't want to do so. But they made accommodations to eat separately since we are dependent on you or you are guests of our ruler like that. They were able to do so In proximity, but not at the same table. Also, why is Joseph by himself? Well, he's the ruler. And that's showing the honor and, and respect and privilege that he has as the ruler. Verse 33. Now, they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. And he took portions to them from his own table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. They sit according to the custom, firstborn to lastborn, showing orderliness. Otherwise, there will be fights and disagreements as to who can sit where at the table. And... The fact that they are still practicing this in adulthood is also a good sign of their harmony and orderliness. But they're astonished. They're astonished at what's happening. And then Joseph in 34, from his table, takes portions to be delivered to the other table where his brothers are and gives to Benjamin five times as much as the rest of the brothers, giving a big hint of his endeared feelings toward his own brother, full brother, Benjamin. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Now this feasting and drinking freely is not... um, Because of incontinence. It's not um, lack of self-control. They are not engorging themselves and becoming drunk. That's not what's happening. It's not gluttony and drunkenness. That's not the kind of feasting and drinking freely here. Why? Well, we assume Joseph is a godly man, so he wouldn't be promoting it. And it's a fair assumption that Joseph was and is a godly man. And that's one. Number two, the brothers are showing signs that they are different men than they were several years ago. So they would not have been participating that way either if we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But to clarify that this expression, to drink freely or something similar to that, Is mentioned here, and drinking freely has to do with drinking wine freely. It's not talking about drinking water freely or milk freely. It's talking about drinking alcohol, wine particularly, and that being done freely. Why so? How do we know so? The first example that it's not by uh, because of sin is in Psalm 104. Psalm 104. This psalm is celebrating the blessings of God. Psalm one hundred and four, fourteen 14 to 17. It's celebrating the blessings of God. It's not expressing it in a begrudging way. It's not e- expressing it in a sinful way that this is what men do with the blessings of God. It's just describing the blessings of God, at least in this section. Uh, 104, 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad. Wine which makes man's heart glad so that he may make his face glisten with oil and food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds build their nests and the stork whose home is the fir trees. Men drink because of the blessing of God. Drink specifically wine. Judges chapter 9. In Judges 9, the brother, the brother of Gideon, I'm sorry, not the brother of Gideon, the son of Gideon, but brother of Abimelech, brother of Abimelech, who survives the massacre of the sons of Gideon, this one pronounces a curse which God honored. God honored the curse because that curse of Jotham did come upon Abimelech, the murderous brother of Jotham. Um, This is confirmed in Judges 9, 56 to 57, that what we are about to read that Jotham said was ordained by God. Judges 9.56, Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father in killing his 70 brothers. Also, God returned all the wickedness of the men of Shechem on their heads, and the curse of Jotham, the son of jerubbaal that's another name for Gideon, came upon them. The curse of Jotham came upon them. And it was God who repaid and God who returned by means of this curse that he used to forewarn Abimelech and others that this was going to happen to Abimelech, the murderous brother of Jotham. So keeping that in mind, in chapter 9, when he is announcing a parable of the trees, when Jotham announces the parable of the trees, This is what he says. 9.13 But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my new wine, which cheers God and men, and go to wave over the trees? The vine says, No, no, I'm not going to do this, because my new wine cheers God and men. Similar to Psalm 104. And... The last example we find in John chapter 2. John 2, John 2 verse 10. John 2.10. Jesus and turning the water into wine. And we have this expression that's also in Genesis 43. John 2 10. And he said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, drunk freely, then that which is poor, you have kept the good wine until now. Having said that, we should clarify as as needed because there's always the flesh looking for a loophole no, in no. scripture to practice sin. This does not mean drinking freely or drinking wine does not mean being intoxicated. Right. Being controlled by it, being addicted to it. That's not what these passages are talking about. How do we know that that is a sin? We know that that's a sin because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. This is proof that they would not have associated, Joseph would not have associated with them to encourage them to do this. Not even Christ would have. 1 right. Corinthians 5.11 But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Don't even associate with drunkards. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. 6, 9, and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, it is a matter of eternal salvation. No doubt. To avoid drunkenness. And also Romans 13:11, Romans 13:11 to 14, which also speaks of disassociation. 13:11 to 14. And this do, knowing the time that it is already the hour For you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Put, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Drinking is permitted, but drunkenness is prohibited in Scripture. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.